Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I'm going to introduce our special guest in just a minute, but uh, let's stand up for just real quick and shake a hand around you and make sure your neighbor's awake because you're going to need to be this morning, all right, because you get ready to laugh a little bit. All right. I hesitated to give you that opportunity because I didn't know if I could rally you back together with focus or not. All right. Thank you. You can grab a seat. Hey, I know we have a lot of friends visiting with us today. If you're visiting, welcome. You're our honored guest. As Kayla mentioned, you can tear off that slip or just come let us know that you're grab one of the staff. I'm, my name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Crossroads. And uh, as most of you know, I've only been here for a few months uh, since October, middle of October. Um, but I have a great honor today, and here's why. Over the last year, even though I've only been here officially since October, over the last year, I can't believe it's been a year, my family and I have been here and have uh, grown to love all of you and you become great friends. And this morning, I get to introduce a great friend to some other great friends which is awesome. Uh, this guy I have known for probably close to 30 years, and uh, we got reconnected after some time apart in ministry almost a decade ago, I guess eight or nine years ago, in the Dominican Republic, uh, because he asked me to come see what God had led him to start in the Dominican. And uh, he called and said, hey, I want you to come down here. And I said, man, I'm, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. And he said, okay. The next week, my phone rang. Hey, I want you to come down here. I, I'm busy. I got stuff going. Okay. The next week, that's just, yeah, you'll, you'll get to know uh, this dear friend in just a little bit. But um, not only a comedian by trade, uh, some of you will remember a guy named Carrot Top that uh, he's written for. He's been on national television. Most recently, he just won a Dove Award for Comedian uh, of the Year, which is awesome. So uh, we are privileged to have here my friend, soon to be yours, uh, missionary and comedian, Mr. Mike G. Williams. Can you make him welcome this morning? Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Well, first of all, good morning. It's an honor to be here. I need to know something very quickly that's very important to me. Does anybody in this room know CPR? If you know CPR, raise your hand nice and tall. Okay. If, you've, if, if you know CPR and you've done it on a real person, not just the plastic person, you've done it on a real person, raise your hand. Okay, crowd got smaller. Uh, if you've done it on a real person and were successful, raise your hand. Okay. You're, you're the closest right down here, young lady, okay? I tell you this because, true story, my friends here know this. I, I have a medical condition. I have a heart problem, okay? Uh, so for any reason, I fall down up here, okay? Don't just sit there and think, oh, this is part of his illustration or story, okay? You, you come up and you start the stuff. And, and, and James, you got a phone, right? You, got, you call 911. You're the backup, all right? Get that rolling, too. Get her some help in here quick. Uh, I actually died two and a half years ago in Butte, Montana. And uh, yeah, not, not just beep, 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 but beep, that one, okay? Twice, twice. And the worst part about it was the week before I was at a conference with the guy who wrote the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Have you heard of that book? And this guy was there at this conference and he took about three hours and told us about his 90 minutes. 
Um, <laughs> I think he might have been embellishing a little bit. <laughs> so, and, and his story was basically this. He goes to this big room like we're in here today. Beautiful room, by the way. I love your place here. And he goes to this big room. He's surrounded by family members that have gone on before him. He gets to meet Jesus. He gets to meet the disciples. And, and the whole time, he said, the room is filled with this, this angelic choir singing, angelic choir music. And he's moving toward this light, which he thought was his time to go see God. And somewhere along the line, they realize they got the wrong guy and they sent him back. Okay. That, that's his story. Okay. And, and, and so then I die. Seriously, I died twice, Butte, Montana. And when I died, my experience was completely different. Okay. First of all, it was dark. I heard Leonard Skinner playing <laughs> and I saw a picture of my mother-in-law. Okay. Which is which is why I fought my way back twice, okay? <laughs> my mother-in-law saved my life. And so I, I tell you that because the story I wanted to share with you this morning is a true story, okay? Um, I, I, was, I was on a, a flight out of Seattle, Washington. And I was taking the red-eye flight. Have you taken the red-eye flight? You know, that's that late-night flight where you fly overnight. They call it the red-eye flight because you think you're going to sleep. When you book it, you'll go, oh, I'll sleep. But you get home to where you're going and you realize you didn't sleep and you have the red eyes, okay? That's why it's called the red eye flight. Now, normally, I get a pretty good seat. I, I've been traveling for a long time. Uh, I, I have surpassed 3 million air miles with Delta Airlines and a million with American. Okay, I travel a lot. Normally, I get a good seat. I get what they call an upgrade. You've heard of that, the upgrade seat. I'm a Delta Diamond, and I looked at my little phone and my app. The kids know about those, okay? The, the app thing told me that I had been upgraded to first class for my red-eye flight, which is great because maybe in that flight, you can get a little sleep. And as I scanned my phone at 1230 at night in Seattle, all of a sudden, it went beep, beep, zzzz, and it popped up a little receipt. And the girl tore it off and looked at me and said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Williams, but we have changed planes and all the seats got reassigned. No problem, thank you. I headed down the jetway. I looked down and I realized that I had gone from up front to row 34, the last row of the plane. Not only was it row 34, the last row of the plane, but it was a middle seat. Look at me, people. Look at me. Let's just be honest. I'm not a middle seat person. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got two brothers right there with a middle seat between them. Let, let's just be honest. If we're on a plane right now and I am walking down the aisle and I'm coming your way and you see me coming, realizing there's a middle seat between you, I don't care how full of Jesus you are you're not happy to see me. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, Pastor Jack, I'm just keeping it honest. I'm just keeping it real, okay? And so um, not only was it the last row, not only was it a middle seat, but it wouldn't recline. Everybody say, oh. Not that they recline that much anyway. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been on a plane lately, let me show you what recline looks like on a Delta airline. I'm going to simulate it right now with our little use of our chair here. Okay, now I'm in the Delta airline seat, the, the back, the coach seat, or what we commonly refer to as the cattle portion of the plane. And uh, I'm going to use the symbolic button right here. And on the count of three, I'm going to push it and recline. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three, click. There's recline right there. That's recline. 
Right there. Now I'm going to go upright again. Ready? Right there. There we go. Right there. One more time for total relaxation. Let's recline again. Click right there. But, but, yet the, but yet they still can't somehow land the plane with you back a quarter of an inch. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm saying? They, they will yell at you. Sir, you've got to raise your seat back up. The pilot is trying to land the plane. Really? Really? Is a quarter of an inch? Is he up there going, I can't hold it together. Somebody's got a seat back. You know, I, I don't understand. You might say, Mike, why didn't it recline? Say that. Mike, why didn't it recline? It was leaned up against a three-quarter inch piece of plywood covered by blue and gray delta color carpet, which separated me from the restroom. And all night long, 322 people kept being served water and coffee and Coca-Cola. And then they'd come back to three-quarters of an inch behind my chair and go in the restroom. Now, the problem wasn't that. The problem was that Delta has changed the way the toilets work. The toilets don't work with water anymore in Delta like they do at home. Now, in an effort to save weight on the plane, water is heavy. They operate the toilets on vacuum systems. Some of you know that. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? You've been there. It, they're, they're like, I don't know, they have a hose that runs from the toilet right to one of the outputs of the jet engine or something like that. And, and when, you, when you push that button, it goes, and it's gone. You know what I'm saying? Are, are you with me? Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest. I know it's a Sunday morning, but I'm going to be honest. Don't be sitting down when you push that button, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm telling you right now, okay? Seriously, we used to have five kids. Now we have four somewhere over Kansas. And all night long, when I got home, I was totally exhausted. I had red ice. And when I got home, I went right to sleep. And forgot to take my pills. Now, you have to understand, folks, I take a lot of medication because of my heart. I take 15 pills every day, okay? That's a lot of pills. Yeah, my guys got to see me take a couple of them this morning, okay? Uh, I take them in, in, in a 9 o'clock group in the morning, 9 o'clock at night. Now, now, if my wife were here, she'd put her hands on her hips. Easton, you can see her. She'd put her hands on her hips. She would look at me, and she'd say, you tell them the truth. The truth is I take 15 pills every day. The minuscule misunderstanding is that they were not all given to me by doctors. Three were given to me by doctors. Twelve pills were given to me by people like you around the country who said, if you will take this, it will help you. Gordon Douglas's wife sends me shark cartilage tablets. Will shark cartilage tablets. Biggest pill you've ever seen. You have to break them in about five pieces to get a horse to swallow them. You know what I'm talking about. Shark cartilage. You're probably saying, Mike, is the shark cartilage helping your heart? Good question. I don't know, but I'm swimming faster than I've ever swam before, okay? <laughs> and when I eat, my eyes roll back. But unless you get the Discovery Channel, that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> it's Shark Week. Uh, I have two ladies from the essential oil companies. Where are my essential oil ladies? I know you're in the room. I smell thieves oil. Where's my, where's my essential oil ladies? Ra ra raise your hand. It's okay. Or just nod at me. It's okay. I know we're in a Baptist church. We don't raise our hands. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, young lady, here's, here's your time to, to advertise. What company do you, you represent? Young Living. Where's my other Young Living people in the room? There's... Nobody. Hey, you, you've got a great crowd today, okay? <laughs> Afterwards, if you'll be back at the back door, you can pass out some cards, all right? Now, now, do we have anybody from the other organization? I don't want to leave them out if they're represented. I'm giving you a chance. Is there anybody here from the other company? Starts with a D, ends with the word Oterra. Anybody here? Anybody at all? Okay. The guys have no idea what we're even talking about. <laughs> guys are like, oh, WD-40, Kestrel. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, 
Quaker saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, now you back me up on this. Young lady, what is your name? Allison. Nice to meet you, Allison. Allison, um, you back me up on this because people think that I'm making this up, but I'm not. The oil ladies, now let me say this, in respect to them, they are dealing with ancient biblical-based oils, okay? Most of these oils, many of these oils are find, found in the Bible, not, not in the 66 books, but in the Concordance and the Apocrypha. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Book of Mormon, full of them. Okay, anyway, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I was joking. It was a joke. It was a joke, okay? All right. Ancient biblical oils, they, they, they mix up concoctions of oils that are, that are helpful to you. I have two ladies, back me up on this, Allison, who buy me empty pill, they buy empty pill capsules, right? She's shaking her head, yes, okay. They buy empty pill capsules. They fill them with droplets of these ancient biblical, biblical oils, okay? I'm, I'm just joking, the biblical oils, okay? And they, they package them back together, send them to me through the mail, which I believe is a federal offense, Send them to me through the mail, and I take them, okay? I don't know what oils they put in. I can't pronounce them. They've told me I I can't pronounce the oils that they put in there. The only oil that I know that every day they put in my pill is they put in frankincense, okay? I know that both oil ladies put in three drops of frankincense in my pill, which, Jack, we know from our time in seminary that frankincense is for your burial, okay? Which, (laughs) be honest with you, kind of bothers me. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, I asked my wife, I said, why are they putting a burial pill in a, what I thought was a get better pill? My wife said, they're hedging their bets. <laughs> I said, what do you mean by that? She said, think about it. It's kind of like the veterinarian who's also a taxidermist. Either way, you get your dog back. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's, um, so I, I take these pills. Are, are, are you getting better? I, I don't know. So here I am. I came home, I fell asleep at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm supposed to take my pills, my important, my three heart pills. One of them is called a pacemaker and a pill. I've got to take it at nine o'clock. Slept right through the nine o'clock pill taking time. Slept till two o'clock in the afternoon because I had been awake all night. Got up, spent time with the family. My wife said, you have jet lag. I said, I have jet lag. She said, I said that. I said, thank you. She said, go to bed. I said, I will. And at seven o'clock at night, I went back to bed and forgot to take my nine o'clock at night pills. Now I've gone 24 hours without my heart pill. Not good. Not good. All right. I woke up at 1230 at night and realized I haven't taken any of my pills. So I quietly, I quietly got out of bed. I didn't want to wake up my wife. Why? Because that's the kind of husband that I am. Okay. I quietly got out of bed. I went into the kitchen. I didn't turn on the light in the kitchen. Why didn't I turn on the light? Because sometimes that light shines into the bedroom. That's the kitchen is right off of our bedroom there. I didn't want to turn on that light. Why? Because that's the kind of husband that I am. All right. And so I began to take my pills. I didn't even want to use the water. Okay. I didn't want to use the water because you put that water thing. It goes clunk, 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 clunk right there. And so I just poured a little of the Brita water out there that, you know, that you make in the, in the, in the fridge there. I poured the Brita water out and I start taking my 15 pills. You can't take 15 pills at once. I have tried. Okay. I take mine in three groups of seven. And so I'm Not, not, not a big math crowd here in Grr, right? <laughs> I'm taking the pills, and I realize in the darkness, I look down, ah, 
there's two pills on the floor. I have dropped two pills. Now, you have to understand, we still have young kids at our house. We have four kids. We have Chapman and Coleman and, and, and the other two. And, and so... Um, <laughs> I reach down. We, we have a rule at our house. Something falls on the floor. We have a short amount of time, a window in which to pick it up, and it's still considered clean. Are you with me? Anybody else there? You know, at our house, that's 45 minutes, okay? And so <laughs> I reach down. I pick up the pills. Don't worry. This is going to get spiritual in a minute. Hang on, ma'am. Hang on, hang on. We're normally just still in the song service. All right. Uh, so uh, now uh, I, I reach down. I pick up the pills. I scoop them up, throw them in my mouth, swallow them down, and went back in crawled into bed very quietly didn't want to wake up my wife why because that's the kind of husband I am right I'm laying there trying to go to sleep have you ever had your body clock off you know when you are you're exhausted but you can't sleep it makes no sense to me I've asked doctors about this Easton is practically a doctor right here Easton I've asked doctors all across the country how can you be too tired to sleep they say we don't know we don't know, okay? I'm so tired, I'm laying there, but instead of falling asleep, I'm trying everything. I'm, I'm trying to count sheep. You ever try to count sheep? You know what I mean? I, I've never been a farmer. I don't know how to count sheep. I come from a church background, you know, a theological background. I like to count books of the Bible. You know, that's a good way You do it. You know, you know just sit there, you know, people count sheep. I just go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, all 45, 50 of them. And then I start again. <laughs> You know, the scary part is, Pastor, fewer people got that than they did the math joke, okay? There is work for you to do here. There is work for you here. All right. All right. New thing now called the Old Testament. Uh, all right. So anyway, so I, I'm, I'm there trying to get to sleep. But instead of falling asleep, I started getting indigestion. Quickly went from indigestion to an upset stomach. Quickly went from an upset stomach to pain. Now, when I reached a level of pain... I realized that I should not suffer alone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I realized at this point I should bring my wife into this. So, so I, you know, being the husband that I am, I reached over and I shook my wife's arm and I said, baby, I'm not feeling well at all. To which she opens one eye and says, roll over and go to sleep you'll feel fine in the morning. Oh, 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 oh. That, that was not the level of care I expect after 33 years. We have been married 33 years consecutively, okay? Yeah. After 33 years, I, I expect a little bit more than that. And, and uh, roll over and go to sleep, you'll feel fine in the morning. And, and it kind of made me mad. Kind of made me mad. And, and, I, and, I, and then I got to thinking, no, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I thought he would send her to hell right now is what he would do. <laughs> right there. No, 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 no. That was a joke. That was a joke. Jesus. <laughs> Pastor, some of your folks are loving this. Some of them are looking for Jesus to come through the roof right now. Okay. <laughs> Jesus would give her a second chance. Can I get an amen? Okay. So I thought about this and I thought about, I've got to say this in a way that brings her into my pain and my situation. She was tired. She was asleep. I'll give her that, right? You don't always wake up immediately and, and function. And so I thought about it, and I thought about all the times when I'll use this, this word because she's not here. When we were pregnant. My wife was enamored with our children's kicking. And she would wake me up in the middle of the night have me place my hand on her stomach 
to feel kicking. Middle of the night, wake up, wake up, what? The baby's kicking. And I would do what any good godly Christian, Jesus-loving husband would do. I would take my hand, I would put it on her stomach, and she would say, okay, wait. Okay, 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 wait. Wait. And 20 minutes later, she would go, there. Did you feel it? And I would go, whoa. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I'm going to tell you the truth. I never felt nothing. Never felt (laughs) nothing. Nothing. Not a zippo, zilch, nothing. I pretended to. Why? Because I loved her. I think it ought to be reciprocal. I reached over that night, shook her arm. I said, baby, feel my stomach. Something's kicking. To which she opens that same eye, looks at me and says, quit whining. <laughs> now I'm angry. Now I'm laying over right at my side of the bed. You know how you lay right there? I'm just, I'm talking to myself. I'm just, I'm not whining. I know when I'm whining. Oh, I can whine. I know when I'm whining. I'm, I'm not just going to get better in the morning. I know when I'm going to get better in the morning. I'm not going to get better in the morning. In fact, in fact, I hope I die. I hope I die to prove to you and your mother. (laughs) Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I got up. I got dressed as noisily as possible, by the way. Got in my car, drove two and a half miles down the road to Lakeland Regional Medical Center, our local hospital, went into the emergency room, experienced a miracle in the emergency room. What was that, Mike? I walked into an emergency room and nobody was there but me. You know that's a miracle, okay? That never happens. You usually got to wait three or four hours for an emergency. And so... They took me in there. 20 seconds later, into the room comes a nurse pushing an ultrasound machine. Folks, I know a lot about ultrasound machines. I've raised money at working. Years ago, I started working with Focus on the Family, helping their program raising money for ultrasound machines. I know about ultrasound machines, but, but I've never had one done on me. Behind the nurse are two doctors. One is Dr. Barrett, who's been at the hospital for a number of years, delivered three of my four kids, okay? Behind him is a tall, lanky fellow from University of South Florida. They're learning to be a good doctor. They start scanning my body with this ultrasound machine, asking me questions. Mr. Williams, have you had an operation recently? I said, no. Last operation I had was, oh, you know, 27 years ago, Stouter Memorial Hospital, Troy, Ohio, an emergency appendectomy. Why do you ask? And he, and he moved the probe and he turned the screen and he said, if you'd, if you'd had an operation recently, we'd almost be assured that they had somehow inadvertently and accidentally left two sponges in you. There appear to be two sponges in you. Don't get ahead of me, folks. You already know more than I knew. Uh, there, there appear to be two sponges in your intestinal tract. And the young doctor leans in and he says, one of the sponges looks like a dinosaur, okay? And so... <laughs> that's, everybody will be on board in a minute. Hang on, hang on. They left the room. When they left the room, I got out my phone. I called my wife. I woke her up a third time. I said, I'm not just whining. I'm not just going to get better in the morning. I have two sponges in me, two medical-sized sponges in my intestinal tract. I'm not just whining. And the young doctor says one of the sponges looks like a dinosaur. <laughs> to which my wife, the love of my life, my help meet unto the Lord, says to me, without emotion, we went to the dollar store today. <laughs> what? Have you ever had somebody join your conversation that had no idea what you were talking about? 
I said, baby, wake up. I'm at the emergency room, the ER. Er, I am here. Dr. Barrett is here. Delivered three of our four kids. I have a T-Rex in my intestines. Wake up. She said, I'm not sleeping silly. We went to the dollar store today and your middle son Coleman with his dollar bought four little green pills that when you throw them in water, six minutes later, they expand to six inch foam dinosaurs. He lost two of the pills. I said, I will call you back. I hung up the phone. I pushed that button almost immediately. Almost immediately into the room comes the nurse and both doctors. Because at this point, they had no idea what was wrong with me, right? And so they come in. Yes, Mr. Williams, are you okay? I said, (laughs) I think I might be able to shed a little light on the situation. And I told them what my wife had told me. And they started laughing at me. Yeah. Oh, no, not just laughing. No, calling other doctors in other parts of the hospital to come down to the emergency room where they would rescan my body and take pictures and laugh at me. The young doctor would hold the probe right here. He'd do like this. He'd go, look, it looks like the dinosaurs are running. That's what they would do. Finally, I said, okay, ha, 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 ha. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? Do you have to pump my stomach? Now, the reason I said that was because I, when I was a kid, I used to watch the show. The only thing I know about medical is I used to watch the show Emergency Squad 51. Remember that show? And, and I said, that's what they would do. That's what they would do every week. You got a stomach problem, you start an IV with, with, with WD-40 or something like that. Transport to Rampart Memorial, pump the stomach. Do you have to pump my stomach? Dr. Barrett, who, I I love Dr. Barrett, but Dr. Barrett has been a doctor for so long, he only speaks doctor. No, Mr. Williams, we feel the hypothesis whereby you provided, it gives us ample reason to feel that within, uh, within American Medical Association guidelines that the situation you're dealing with, the said same blockage being of a, a sponge nature, a pH nature, and the acidic value of your stomach and intestinal gases would more than likely, within a matter of time, assimilate themselves, blah, 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 blah. I, I, had, I had no idea what he was saying. But you know what we do with doctors. We go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he tells me what he thinks is wrong. He turns and walks out the door. The young doctor looks at me and he says, Mr. Williams, you didn't understand a word Dr. Barrett said, did you? I said, no, I, I thought maybe the nurse would explain it to me later. He said, let me help you out. Let me put it in, in, in words you can understand. I said, thank you. He said, I looked at your chart. I see you're a missionary in the Dominican Republic. I said, yes, sir. He said, Where, did you serve anywhere here in the States? I said, I pastored in, in the States for, for quite a while, almost two and a half weeks. And, and so um, <laughs> he said... Um, he said, I'm a Christian too. I said, fantastic. He said, let me put it in biblical terms for you. And I said, good, I can handle that. He said, the Bible says, and it came to pass. <laughs> I don't think he was a Christian. He never would have said that. And so here, here's the deal. We've got to learn to laugh. I want to tell you something today. I, I've got a real serious point today. You ready for point number one? Here we go. Life is too short not to laugh. Can I get an amen? Now, you young folks don't understand that yet, but you will. 
you'll turn 45, okay? Life is also too long not to laugh. Amen? Can I get it? Amen? You know what I'm talking about? We've got to learn. We've got to learn to laugh. You young people, just I know you laugh at me. You're up here with your skinny jeans. Last time I was in those skinny jeans as a fetus. Man. Oh. I don't see how you can sit down. I think you just sit down. You just spring back up. I'm going to tell you, I was 45. James, I was 45 years old, feeling good, feeling healthy, fit, trim, fairly compared to now, okay? Trim took a nap on a lazy boy recliner and tore a rotator cuff, taking a nap. That's what you guys have got to look forward to. The Bible says this. Listen to this verse from Scripture. A merry heart does good like a medicine. The joy, let's go to another one. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's even one on given. It says God loves a cheerful, the, the real verse, the literal translation of the verse is hilarious giver. God has given us, do you know laughter is mentioned 42 times in the Bible? 42 times. That's 42 times more than the word Trinity is used. <laughs> one guy like that thank you <laughs> the others are going I bet he's a Jehovah's Witness okay <laughs> I'm not against the Trinity are you against the Trinity no but if God told us to laugh 42 times more and he told us about the Trinity maybe we ought to be the most laughing people in the world well brother do you know all the stuff that's going on around the world right now yes I do but here's one thing I know above all else he's got the whole world in his hands come on he's got the whole wide world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his he's got you and me brother in his hands he's got you and me sister in his hands he's got everybody in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands see the outcome of this is not in doubt the outcome of this is we hear a trump and we get lighter than we've ever gotten before. And we hear a trump and all of a sudden gravity lets loose. Maybe I should say trumpet. Trumpet. I don't want to offend the Democrats today. Uh, the, the trumpet of God shall sound. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry. See, that's why I'm not a pastor. Stuff like that would just pop in there in the middle of a perfectly good sermon. Folks. Folks, the joy of the Lord. I want you to find joy. I want you to find joy every day. Uh, University of Medicine says this. If we laugh a hundred times a day, it's equivalent for our heart muscle of jogging 10 miles. hundred laughs a day. That's right. I'm an Olympic athlete right here. <laughs> Some of you may go this afternoon. All right. <laughs> Some of you have laughed enough already today. You can have extra pie for dessert this afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Woo, thank you, Lord. Give me some more apple pie. Woo, hallelujah. We have got to learn to laugh. I'm, I'm a, these are good people here. He told me y'all was good people. And so, well, he said most of y'all. He said was good people. He said my family does attend there too. But no, no, no. I, I've appreciated knowing your pastor for many, many years, I have seen
his commitment to people. I have seen his commitment to discipleship of the next generation. I have seen his commitment to when, when everybody had forgotten about young people who were being called to the ministry, that he said, we've got to have something for young people who are called to the ministry to encourage them to stay on track and stay on focus. That's the Jack that I know. I don't know him as a pastor as you will get to know him, but I know him as a guy with a heart. Um, my world changed about 12 years ago. I made a mistake. Is this water for me? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, is there one for them? <laughs> you know, I feel kind of bad drinking it in front of you, but, but I'll get over it. Oh, this is good. I see you got the Coke up. There's this regular Coke or Diet Coke right here. Diet Coke. I, I can't drink it anymore. I, I used to drink Diet Coke. Um, Diet Coke has a chemical in it called aspartame. And if you drink Diet Coke, um, it causes short-term memory loss. So it's not real good for a guy who's a pastor speaker guy who preaches without notes from memory um, to drink Diet Coke because you forget what you were going to say. It causes you to just have those little uh, moments. We, we got my pastor at home. We got him off a of Diet Coke. Cut 12 minutes off his Sunday sermon every Sunday. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so be careful. Don't drink. Don't drink Diet Coke. Uh, I, was, I, was in a, I love your place here. I, I love your old sanctuary there too. I got to see that. I was just at the Springs Church in Ocala, Florida. Um, they have a... They have a waterfall right here where, where you all have the, the Christmas tree uh, selection. And there's only three left, by the way, if you're buying your trees this year. Uh, we need you to get those. There's three left and two wreaths there. Uh, where, where you guys have the, the display here, they had a 40-foot waterfall. Absolutely beautiful. But when I set up, Pastor, it wasn't a waterfall. It was just a rock wall. And, and so before the service at the Springs Church, right off of, the, uh, of the, the platform area, they have a green room. Now, you don't have one here, but a green room is a room that they have like leather couches and a table and, and, and uh, a little refrigerator in there. And they usually have ginger ale and finger sandwiches and brownies for the pastor to prepare to come out and speak, you know, kind of like Jesus did. At, and so I was back there in the green room just being blessed. And they introduced me, and I came walking out onto the platform. And now this rock wall was a waterfall. And it's just waterfall. And I started speaking. And all of a sudden, my body realized that water is running behind me. People, I'm 57 years of age. You can't run water behind me. And expect me to go for 42 and a half minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I'm kind of dancing around up here, Will. I'm just kind of doing like this. And eventually I realized, I look back at the sound man. I said, Mr. Soundman, if you can, would you turn off the waterfall? Or we're going to have to, we're going to have to have three intermissions during the program. And he did. He turned off the waterfall. Afterwards, I got to tell you this. One of the deacons came up to me. He leans into me. He goes, Brother Williams, that waterfall is the best $40,000 we ever spent since we put in the waterfall. Preacher ain't gone longer than 12 minutes on a Sunday. So, <laughs> so, so I'm just saying next 
project, get you a waterfall, okay? <laughs> Twelve years ago, I took a trip that may have ruined my life or may have given me life. I'll let you be the judge. I got invited to go to the country of Haiti. Haiti is an island uh, off the coast between Cuba and Puerto Rico. It's actually the island of Hispaniola. It's made up of two countries. The western third is Haiti. The eastern two-third is the Dominican Republic. And I went down there, and for the first time in my life, I saw poverty on a scale that I'd never seen it. Now, I think I know poverty, but it had home there. I remember getting in that truck. We were going out during one of the coup attempts that happened so often. We had to lay down in the bottom of a truck for them to, to get us out of there that particular day. And I remember praying, saying, Lord, I never want to come back here again. We slept in nice conditions, but with tarantulas and rats. I never want to come back here again, but somehow knowing that I would be driving down that road again. I wrote a book a number of years ago called Whatever You Do, Never Go on a Mission Trip. <laughs> I always fear telling this story, Jack, because I, I, I'm afraid that people won't come on a mission trip because they will think, oh, wow, if I go on a mission trip, I'm going to be called to go to Zimbabwe or wherever that is. Let me tell you what, most people go on a mission trip, they're just fine. Everything's fine, and everything's wonderful, and their life continues normally here. But for some people, God has a specific plan for their life there. And when he puts that calling on your life, you'll know it, and you won't want to be anyplace else. So don't fear. Don't ever fear where God wants to take you. Because when you get there, you'll go, wow, this is what I was meant to do. You follow what I'm saying? I, I want to make sure the humor doesn't override what the real, the real deal is, the calling of God. I fought it for a long time. I made deals with God. I, I bought God a lot of stuff. <laughs> Comedy was good to me back then. Well, it's good to me now, but I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, it's been good. I hope you've had fun today and laughed. But I was traveling all over the country, and we had this beautiful big bus thing. You know how, you know how Christian ministries are. The first thing you need to do is buy a bus. It's, it shows whether you're really in the ministry. If you have a bus, you travel the way Jesus did. And <laughs> 40-foot coach with air condition. That's what I want to know when we get to heaven, why Jesus didn't tell us about air condition. But anyway... Um, I remember that day I was sitting on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. It just finished up uh, sitting down with Roy and Gary out on the beach talking about this wonderful project. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> we had Waffle House for breakfast. <laughs> it happens. Uh, See, another reason why I don't pastor anymore. Right there, right there. See, a good pastor would just look at the sound man and go, What happened? <laughs> My fault. Uh, and I'm sitting out on this beautiful balcony overlooking this beautiful bay. And a friend of mine turned to me and he said, you do not look happy. I said, I'm not. He said, why, Mike? 
Everything you've wanted in comedy has come true. You're now the producer of this, the, the, the biggest thing in, in the comedy world right now. You're the head of it. You, you've gotten, you, you've made it. I said, I'm not supposed to be here. Supposed to be in an island between Cuba and Puerto Rico. I'm supposed to be loving and serving people there. And here I am sitting on a cruise ship getting ready for the next buffet because the last one was only an hour ago. And I came home from that and I took my wife out to dinner. Um, very nice place. That's, uh, we, we, to the same place we got engaged at that Burger King is still there. Uh, <laughs> nothing like those orange seats to warm a heart, isn't it? And I said, baby, I believe God has called us to go to the Dominican Republic and serve there. And she said, when do we go? I'm grateful for that. Very quickly, we found ourselves in uh, working in the Dominican Republic with Haitians and, and Dominicans. Working with the poorest of the poor, working in villages of people who uh, um, are in tragic situations. And it was there that my world got altered again. It was there that I met a girl by the name of Joanne who changed our lives. Now, I have always known in the third world that there was hungry people. And in fact, uh, the, the mission uh, serves five days a week at a garbage dump. We'll tell you a little bit about that later. I, I thought that my ministry there was going to be pretty much reduced to helping pastors, uh, teaching, training pastors, uh, discipling people, feeding people, helping people there. We saw around us all of these girls, and I'll be sensitive because of the age brackets that are in the room today. You understand. I could tell you more, but I can't do it today with our crowd today. We saw young girls who were on the streets who were forced to sell themselves, who were sent out there by their parents to try to make a living for the family. They have what they call the Dominican fairy tale. The Dominican fairy tale is this. They, they tell the young girls, you go out there, you find an American man who's here, one of the tourists, you find an American man. That's what you want most. First and foremost, find an American man. You please him, you do whatever he wants. If he wants you to take drugs with him, do it. If he wants you to drink with him, do it. Whatever he wants, whatever he wants done. You will please him so much. He will save up all his money. He'll be back in two weeks to see you. You please him. We'll connect him with him on Facebook because we do have the electronics. And he'll be so excited by you and your love for him that he will take you back to the United States and you'll live in a castle and you'll be able to send money back home to your family and your brother will be able to buy a motorcycle and provide transportation for the family. That's the Dominican fairy tale. And on any given night in the Dominican Republic, we're told that over 100,000 young ladies are on the street, many of them the 13 and 14 years of age. We have a new group now that is actually marketing children as low as three and four and five years old. Wow. It's a sick world. And I'll tell you what, it scared us. 
We, we had no background in that. We had no understanding. We had no, they, they didn't teach us that in school, brother. We didn't get anything about that. You, you hear about it, you see about it, you see some of the organizations, but you don't know anything about it. And we didn't know. And, and we had four kids with us, four young kids, uh, uh, two young boys, two very young girls, and we wanted to protect them. You understand the parents' desire to protect their children. That isn't our calling. But then Joanne showed up at our house. We were living in a little apartment building, bottom floor of an apartment building. And, and into our house walks Joanne. No, I was not there. She was there because my daughters were there. And she walked past outside. And my daughters at that time, who were three and five, my daughters are, are the kind of kids who never met a stranger. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Just see everybody run up. How are you? What is your name? Okay, that's my daughter's. And they saw this girl going past the house and they were in there what they would do on any Thursday afternoon. They were having high tea. Because my daughters, although they were raised in Florida, every Thursday have what they call British Thursday. And all day on Thursday, they talk to each other with a British accent. And they say, hello, mommy. Hello, daddy. How are you today? I hope for breakfast we will have some scones. <laughs> and in the afternoon, they sit down with a little plastic tea set. And they hold their hand with their pinky out like that. Because that's British people have broken fingers. And, <laughs> and they sip their tea and they talk about British things and things that are happening in Cogni. And they saw Joanne walk past and she's another girl. And they said, cheerio, won't you come in for a spot of tea? And that's how Joanne <laughs> came to be sitting on our floor. My wife was in the back getting some things done on the computer. And I walk in the door and I see a prostitute sitting on the floor with my daughters. Uh, your emotions kind of flip-flop. What do I do? How do I handle this? How do I deal with this? What, you know, what, what are the ramifications? What are the health ramifications? Hello. She turned to me. She said, hello in English. My name is Joanne. Uh, hi, hi, Joanne. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm I'm Teresa, and this is my wife, Mike. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm Teresa. I, we're the Williams family. We're missionaries, Christian Christian missionaries. You see, we knew who Joanne was because there was a young man by the name of Harry who used to bring girls to that apartment. He owned one of the other apartments and he would bring multiple girls on multiple days. We knew if the girls were with Harry, we knew what they were. <sighs> Joanne came by a lot. Over that next week, my daughters would make cookies and brownies and she would drop in. And then came the fateful day as I'm driving out of the uh, complex, I come through the gate and I'm driving the motorcycle. And uh, it's a mile out to the main road. And there's Joanne walking. Now you have to understand, we always had a rule, my wife and I, we had a van and a motorcycle. We drove a motorcycle a lot when I needed to do work because gasoline $6.50 a gallon, you understand? 
But now I'm by myself. I'm on a motorcycle, and there's a prostitute walking on the road, and we always stop and pick up people, especially those that we know. Even if we can't speak their language, we would give them a, a Christian track either in, in Spanish or in Creole. And there she is. I stopped. Hello, Joanne. I'm going to Sasua. Where are you going? I'm going to Sasua too. I would love a ride. Thank you. And that's how the prostitute came to be on the back of the pastor's motorcycle. Now, I know here in, in South Carolina, you would see that and wouldn't think anything of it. <laughs> but let me tell you, even in the Dominican among missionaries, that might uh, raise an eyebrow and get something going on the web. Now, let me say this. She was very, uh, very ladylike. Uh, she sat as far back. I had a, like a luggage rack on the back. She had sat as far back as possible. I, on the other hand, was sitting as far forward as I've ever sat on a motorcycle. I don't know if you've ever ridden a motorcycle with the bars behind you, uh, but uh, like a powered unicycle. And we drove into Sasua. And before I got to Sasua, I stopped. I stopped in front of a medical clinic. We didn't know. Jack, we didn't know. Lynette, we didn't know how to talk to these girls. We, we didn't know. It wasn't our background. We, we were afraid of them. We were scared. And I did all I could do. I did all, the only thing I knew to do at the time. I stopped in front of this medical clinic and I said, Joanne, I'm going to take you where you're going, but I want to point something out to you. I said, Joanne, this is a medical clinic. My wife and I laid the first blocks on this clinic. The people in there who run it Angelica Cordero, you walk in there, you tell her you're friends with Mike and Teresa Williams, and, and I'll bet you're the next person to see a doctor. If you ever need to see a doctor, if you ever need medical help, you walk in there. And that's all it took, sir. All it took. All of a sudden, the tears started coming down her face, and she told me her story. Mike, I wasn't always the person that you see today. Mike, uh, I, I lived in the, the, the better, the nicer houses on the hill in Port-au-Prince when the earthquake came. You remember the earthquake? How many remember the earthquake? She said, we, we were, we, I'm educated. I speak English as well as you do. And she did. She said, but the earthquake came and our house came down and I was the only one to get out alive. And for the next three days, I listened to my mother and my sisters die underneath the concrete. That's got to do something to you. She said, we all needed help. Nobody could help us. We didn't have the ability to lift that and everybody needed help. And she said, then when the men downtown realized that the folks up on the hill had fallen too, they realized, wow, they could break in up there and they could find something of value. And so the men were coming up in, in gangs trying to break into these fallen rich houses as they considered them to find something. And they were raping the women. She said, I knew I couldn't stay. She said, I, I knew that my mother had a friend in Sasua, Dominican Republic. And I started walking. Mike, I walked for 12 days. I drank water out of puddles because I wasn't used to drinking their water that would come out of their spigot. I'd get sick. I drank water out of puddles hoping that it was pure rain water and, and I would try to find some fruit. It wasn't the time of the year for it, but you would eat this, this unripened fruit that was on the trees, the mangoes there. And she said, I got to Sasu and I've walked around and I've knocked on what I think is every door here and she's nowhere to be found. 
And all of a sudden, Harry pulls up in this big Nissan Armada and he had two other Haitian girls in the back and I knew what they were. I could see it immediately. I knew what they were and I knew I shouldn't go with them. But, but Mike, I was just so hungry. He said, you look hungry, get in the car. And I got in the car. Jack, I'll, I'll never, <laughs> to my dying day, I will never forget the two lines that changed my world again. She said, Mike, I used to teach Sunday school at the Baptist church. I used to sing in the choir. And look at me now. And something changed right there. All of a sudden, Joanne wasn't a prostitute anymore. All of a sudden, she wasn't dirty. All of a sudden, she wasn't somebody to be feared. All of a sudden, she wasn't a street person. All of a sudden, she was my daughter. Because we lived in a concrete building too. And we lived in the bottom floor. And when that earthquake hit, our lamp and our kitchen swung back and forth like this because the fault line that starts in Laogon, Haiti, ends up in Sisua, Dominican Republic, where we live. And I realized just how quickly life can change in an instant. And this was someone who needed Jesus. And the streets were full of girls that needed Jesus. That's one of the reasons we're in the Dominican Republic. A couple of years ago, you might have heard I had a little heart attack. I don't know if you heard about that, like earlier in the program. Uh, short term, do y'all drink Diet Coke? I don't know if you heard about this, but Diet Coke has a chemical in it. And when you drink it, it causes short-term memory loss. I'll tell you about that later. And uh, I, remember, I remember my wife on the phone to me. I was in Butte, Montana. And uh, she said these words. If you don't come home, who do I call? I don't know if you've ever heard those words. And God said, uh, call Jack Eason. He'll know what to do. And Jack became a part of the work. And we became a part of his work. Crossover in Malawi. And so let me say today, number one, thank you um, for loving the guy uh, that is a great impact on our people in the Dominican Republic. You don't just have a pastor who uh, tells you how to be the salt and light. You have a pastor and his family who demonstrate how to do it too. That's discipleship. So uh, Jack, I want to say thank you. Uh, for those of you who 
have not heard the end of the story of, of my heart situation. I lived. <laughs> Some of you are going, shoo, I was wondering how that would end. Uh, <laughs> Mike, dealing with the people you deal with in the Dominican Republic, how do you find joy? You have to find joy. See, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's why he gave it to us. That's why he gave us the ability to laugh. To in the middle of the crazy, we laugh. In the middle of the insane, we laugh. In the middle of the tough times, we laugh. Not because life is funny. Life doesn't cease to be funny when people die any more than life ceases to be serious when people laugh. You can write that one down. I didn't write it, but if you think I did, put my name after it. I'll take credit for it. I'm a pastor. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <coughs> Freudian slip. You know, Nick, you're a PK. All right. Uh, that, was, that was a Freudian slip. Freudian slip. It happens to all of us. You know, Freudian slip is when you meant to say one thing and you said another thing. And you meant what you were somehow really. I, that happened to me at Thanksgiving. I meant to say pass the potatoes and I said, I hate you. You ruined my life. But anyway, um, same thing. Same, same basic, basic tenet. Basic tenet. Uh, Let me take you to the Dominican Republic for just a minute. Can I do that? Let's, let's just give them some pictures. We're not going to take you to the area that I was talking about today. I, I'll tell you what. I'm going, to, I'm going to give every one of you in this room the opportunity to come down and spend a week there. And we'll take you out on the streets and, you, and you'll meet. You'll, 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 you'll be with us. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to have a, a bunch of folks that, that help make, make this happen uh, down here. Uh, we, we have James down here. James kind of works with us on all the media stuff. James, wave at everybody right there, right there. You can't see over his hair. He's got big hair. See, it happened again right there, right there. Right there. Uh, you, you've got Easton right here. Easton, right, wave at everybody, Easton. Uh, you got Madeline right here, Madeline right here. And uh, uh, they, they, uh, Easton and Madeline work with us uh, every summer. Nick's been with us for multiple summers and actually spent many months down there working and translating. Nick, good to see you here today. And Will's been down there too. And so good, good to see you folks here. We've got Sean, Sean uh, Camry over there. Sean, wave at him right there. Sean's one of our board members, lives in Lakeland, Florida, helps make this thing happen. Been down there. I, I, I want to take you, if, if you were there with us, not today because today's Sunday, but if you were there tomorrow morning, I want to take you where we'd be going. We'd be going to a little in the morning, uh, about 8.30, we'd start cooking soup rice and beans and vegetables and we'd be putting it together in this big pot and we'd be going to a garbage dump that's outside of the city. The garbage dump is, uh, is often smoky like that because under a garbage dump, there's, all, there's a muck fire. It's uh, like composting. It's burning. But because it's on the side of the mountain, we get these breezes that will blow in. And all of a sudden, this air hits this heat and boom, all of a sudden into fire. So the kids often have to work among the flames that are just all over the place. They're in there. They're searching for pieces of plastic, plastic that they can recycle. If they can have a good day and they can collect a lot of plastic or they can collect a lot of metal that they can recycle, they, they can maybe have a good day and make a dollar or two dollars for their day of work. Uh, go ahead to the next slide. As one of the boys, he's grabbed one of the old rice bags. That's what he's doing inside of that. He's got plastic that he's collected. A lot of the plastic obviously has, has gotten burned up, but he's searching for certain kinds uh, of plastic. Go ahead to the next one. 
right there, give you, give you a look, the beautiful mountains in the background and beautiful uh, land in the background, but that's what the, what the people work in. Can you imagine for just a second, um, here you are, you're 55, you're 60 years old, you have no family. Remember in the Dominican, there's no Medicare, there's no Medicaid, there's no social services. You have nothing. So what do you have to do? We have people who are out in the garbage dump who are 70 years of age sorting through there, trying to find, uh, trying to find literally find food that they will eat that afternoon. Go ahead to the next slide. This young lady, I remember seeing this, Jack. It was a Wednesday. Wednesday's the day that the big truck from the truck comes from the grocery store. You've been there so many times, that big, huge Goliath truck. And when they see it come in, they all get excited because they know that on that truck is the possibility of them finding some, uh, some vegetables from the supermarket that are coming in. It's also the possibility on this big truck of them finding all the scraps that came from one of the hotels right along the beach. And that's probably how this chicken came about. These chicken parts is from those scraps. Think about this. The night before, the day before, uh, the hotel prepared uh, chicken for the people who were their, their guests that they were eating. They cleaned out all the entrails and everything left over. Uh, they threw it in a garbage can. That garbage can went out to a dumpster. It got dumped in the dumpster. Now, it's not just a dumpster like we have. You have to understand in the Dominican Republic, you're not allowed to put your toilet paper into the toilets. They won't flush. They won't go. You can't put toilet paper. So all of the toilet paper from the entire hotel has been put into baskets and also been dumped on top of the meat. I remember this lady. I remember as that truck backed up and started to dump that trash and she saw this globule of chicken and she literally dived and jumped on it to claim it for her family as the garbage came in over the top of her. And another lady that was working with her dug her out and they dug the chicken. They're going to take that and they're going to take it back to a, a coffee pot and they're going to put it in water, water that you and I couldn't drink. We don't even want to wash our hands with this kind of water. They're going to put it in that and they're going to start a little fire and they're going to boil it and do what they call boiling the death out of it till they feel that it's clean enough to serve. Folks, could that ever be clean enough to serve to our family? No. That's what we do. We serve five days a week to the poorest of the poor. Go ahead to the next. That kind of sums it up right there. A team brought in some of those dollar flip-flops and the place went crazy. And the problem was, is you see all the people waiting there and I'm sitting there on the back of the truck and we've got about four pair of flip-flops left. Those are scary moments, people. Those are hard moments. That's our world. Do we have another one? Do we have another slide? There they are lined up for food. It's a special day. It's hot dog day. And uh, we're serving hot dogs. And it's also birthday party day. We try to once a month have a birthday party where we take cake down there and we sing happy birthday to everybody. Because you know what? The truth is no matter where you are or who you are, no matter where you are in life, you're a creation of God and you deserve to be celebrated. And we celebrate their life. Today, um, today we're going to take up an offering, I believe. And so I want you to understand that your gift today is not going to Mike Williams. It's going 
to help these people, these villages. We have five villages, five community center locations. During the summer, we have about 750 kids in our long-term seven-week Bible school program that goes on there. That's what you're helping make possible today with your gift. I'm going to tell you this because people ask, they say, what does it cost to feed in the dump? It costs us, it averages out to $103 a day. Let's call it $100 a day. If you would want to know that you took on one day at the garbage dump, fed everybody at the garbage dump, on any given day between 60 and 120 people, depending on what the day is at the garbage dump, $100 would feed for one day. $1,000 would feed for 10 days. It's two weeks. Uh, Folks, whatever you can do today, know that it's all going to the mission. It's going to rescue those little girls that I can't show you the slides on today. It's going to pre-rescue those young sisters of those girls who are in our sewing program and learning to do something with a skill so they don't have to sell themselves on the street. It's going to our bakery program that's teaching those young boys and young girls how to make a legitimate living so they can go back to their families and say, look, I don't have to do this. It's, it's in our program that makes crafts, some of which we have in the back, and people around the country uh, buy those crafts, and the money goes from that craft, goes in, and goes back to their family so they can walk into their house and say, look, Mom, I, I, I brought in $30 into the house this week. I don't need to go out on the street. So as you give today, here's what I would ask you to pray. Um, I, let me start with what I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to tell God about the mission. He already knows. I want you to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, you know the need. What do you want me to do about it? And if we do that, then today will be a great and glorious day where we have laughed and cried and we have glorified God. All right? All right? Uh, good. Jack, you, you take it from here. I'm going I'm to have a drink of water. I'm going to ask our ushers to come down if they would. And uh, while they're coming, let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the privilege to participate in a work that you're obviously doing and to make a kingdom impact through the lives of young boys and girls and families in the Dominican Republic. I pray, Lord, you would guide our hearts and our giving during this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, myself and uh, my kids and two, two of us from here at Crossroads, Logan Bennett and Marianne McMakin, will be making our journey to the Dominican together on a trip December the 31st. And then uh, we're going to come back and invite a whole couple plane loads full of people to go with us in July. Uh, we've been going through church family, as you know, for the last, uh, gosh, several weeks, uh, a study about having crazy faith. And Mike's story is in here, at least the Dominican part. But can you come back and take just a couple minutes, if you guys would just bear with us, just a couple minutes. If you're here this morning uh, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that that's the relationship that ultimately changes everything. 
And uh, there was a before, kind of before Dominican story. Would you just quickly share your story with our friends? Sure. I, I, I won't go too long. I'm hungry, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. I'm a street kid. I don't mind telling people that. I'm a welfare kid. You know, nobody gets to pick their parents. Did you get to pick your parents? No. If you've got good parents, young people, listen to me. If you've got good parents, stop and thank God every day. Not everybody gets that. I'm the youngest of five children. My oldest brother was killed in the streets of Chicago at 17 years of age. My next brother died in a jail cell at 17 in Louisiana. Uh, I haven't seen or heard from either one of my sisters in close to 30 years now. You can lose people to drugs the same way you can lose them to death. Some of you know that. You've been affected by that in your life. Um, met my biological father one time, 27 years of age, when I found out who he was. And I, I located him, and he agreed to meet with me. He spent five minutes with me and asked me to drop him off at the bar where he'd get on with the rest of his life. Thanks, Dad. Some things you never get over, that might be one of them. My mother did one of the kindest acts that a woman could ever do. My mother decided to give me away. She gave me away to a Christian man who was the mailman who would deliver mail to that apartment building we lived in. And every time he'd come through those doors, he'd ring all the bells and begin to put the mail in those boxes. And people would come down to get their mail. And if he'd see him, he'd pull the mail out of their box and he'd put it in their hand. And he'd say, here's your mail. And remember, God loves you. Wow. What a powerful witness. Probably be illegal today. You know what I mean? You probably couldn't say that today. We'd have to have separation of church and junk mail or something like that. But uh, one day my mom stopped him and said, Harry, would you take my youngest son? Get one of my kids a chance at life. Get one of my kids out of here. And he said, I can't. I take care of my wife who's very ill. But he said, I have a daughter and a son-in-law. They can't have children. My, my daughter has multiple sclerosis. Uh, they have prayed for 12 years that God would give them a child. They'd love to have your boy. And next thing you know, I get pulled out of home, dropped in this home of these people who prayed for a kid for 12 years and got me, okay? Be careful what you pray for. Be careful. Be specific. I'm a rescued kid. Dropped into a little Baptist family, Jack. A little Baptist family. Mom used to sit by my bed at night, teach me those Sunday school songs. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun way beyond the blue. My dad was a Sunday school teacher. He took it serious. Every Saturday night, he'd take about three hours prepping for that lesson. And on Sunday morning, he'd practice on mom and I in the car. And if we got to church before he finished his whole lesson plan, he would circle blocks around the church. He was going to get it right. I appreciate people who want to get it right. And one Sunday morning, there we were, four blocks up from the church, right in front of Jack O'Donnell's Chevrolet, where my daddy served as an auto mechanic for 24 years. He finished his lesson. He looked in that rearview mirror. He said, Mike, what about you? Are you ready? I knew what he meant. He was saying, Mike, do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? Do you want to join the family of God? Do you want to, to, to come in? You, you've heard all that. You've heard all about it, too. You know what I'm talking about. I said, yes, sir. And I remember that day I knelt in the back seat of that car. He pulled the car over the side of the road. I knelt in the back seat. It was a 1967 Chevy Impala, uh, two-door, painted by Earl Scheib, any car, $29.95. Yes. Some of my peeps are here. You young people won't understand that, but some of you... And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life. I've had a lot of neat things happen. Jack told you a few of them. But I'll tell you this. The best thing that ever happened to me was the day that I said yes to Jesus Christ. And he said yes to me. That began 
The Bible says that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That was the seed plant in my heart that has grown since then. There have been days when I've kept it, tried to keep it pushed down, but it just keeps creeping out and getting bigger and bigger. I don't know who you are today. I'm a stranger in your house today, but maybe if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've not made that Jesus commitment. I want to tell you the greatest thing you could do today would be that. So when this is over, you, you, you find myself, you find your pastor, you find somebody around here that, that, that looks like a Christian. Maybe they have a tie on. I say that humorously because this is not a sad time. This is a joyful time. It's always joyful to have Jesus. Go for Jesus. Go for Jesus. On the way out, can I tell them this on the way out real real quick, Jack? Um, Maybe there'd be some folks here today who would would be willing to say, you know what, Jack, you're going to go down, um, but would... We'd like to take care of a kid. It costs 75 cents a day in our program to be, have access to all of our different programs. 75 cents a day. You can rescue one child. Uh, if you'd like, we'll have some of our gang will be at the back here. Um, and you can pick up a, a child, a picture of one of the photos. You can take a child home. You're, you're not just sponsoring a child. You're sponsoring a program. 75 cents a day, $23 a month. That comes with an invitation for you to come down and and be a part of that. Uh, We also have those bags, those girls making that craft program. If you want to help pay one of those girls, we have girls that are actually in college today because of the bags that have been sold. sold, um, Solon, boy, he's an author. (laughs) Okay. Uh, um, uh, We have bags back there. If you want to look at the bags, the bags are 30 bucks. I'm going to be honest with you. You can buy a really good bag at Walmart for three bucks. You can't save a life. 30 bucks, you get a bag that is a hero. We call them hero bags because you've literally changed the life of a child and provided food for their week. They're back there. I've got some books about how the mission started. We've got some coffee that's a Dominican coffee. If you're a coffee connoisseur, they'll tell you about, about that. You can get some of that. I have some CDs back there. If you, Okay, that doesn't seem to be a big plus there. Uh, but I, could just, I read a crowd pretty well. That was not the high point of the program uh, right there. Um, but main thing is, can, can you join us? Can you join us? Can you help us rescue kid? Thank you for whatever you could do today. It was my honor to be here. Every day with Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it here, and it's worth it one day. I want to hear well done. Amen. Good night. Thank you, Mike, and uh, thank you, Crossroads, uh, for letting me introduce one of my best friends in the world. Uh, we have a couple other board folks that uh, dropped in too with Mike. Jack Cleland's back here and Bruce Bochtel and Kip uh, Wynn. Thank you guys for coming and joining our Crossroads family today. If you're visiting, we're so glad that you're here. I uh, would love to have you come back. Uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, our Christmas musical will be up in the sanctuary. We'd love to have you come back and join us at 6. And uh, so let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. As we pray this morning, and as you're praying, as you hear Mike share his testimony this morning, if you find yourself saying, I I really don't know about this Jesus, 
I just want to reemphasize and re-encourage you with Mike's words. Uh, please talk to someone before you leave this place. Uh, myself or Heath, Joey, some of us will be standing at the back uh, tables back there. Please grab our hand. We would love to share with you how you uh, surrender your life to Jesus. It's actually very simple. You just say, Lord, here I am. I accept that love that you have for me, and I want that eternal life that you promise, and I surrender my life to you. If that's the desire of your heart this morning, I pray that you would grab us before you leave. Father, thank you for these friends. Thank you for the privilege to laugh today. Uh, thank you for the privilege to hear about where you're working. We know you're working here at Crossroads, but you're also working around the world, and we're thankful to hear about that today. So bless our afternoon. Bless each person that's here today and their families. And thank you for the privilege to gather together to worship you because there is none like you, Jesus. Thank you for your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Crossroads family. Have a wonderful afternoon. We'll see you tonight. God bless you.